Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Casting Seeds, the only holistic health podcast that uses God's singular truth to give you individualized discernment. I'm Savannah, your host. Jeremiah, your co-host. And we are finishing up our conversation today on pelvic floor work and everything that has to do with pelvic floor, core, and really training from the inside out on resetting your body to have it be prepared for biblical sex. Also, we have a surprise Q&A this episode where we get to answer your questions that you've sent in on, about biblical sex on Savannah's Instagram, Holistic Wife. Yeah, that's right. And we also wanted to ask you guys to please leave a review and subscribe because it really helps our podcast grow so that we can continue answering these questions and be there for you as a holistic team. We're always praying and let's get back. Technically all the injuries. So that's why I'm saying I don't see any reason to not ever see a pelvic floor therapist. I think everybody should at some point in their life and men especially because um, erectile dysfunction is rampant for I think many other reasons, but one of the big ones and men will think that they have pel um, they have erectile dysfunction. And after I reset their pubic bone and their hips, and they get out of that anterior, which means like they're in like a clam shape. If you guys think about someone in a, a C shape, kind of looking down on their phone or looking down at a desk all the time, sitting all the time, they tend to get erectile dysfunction a lot earlier. And it's because of a lack of blood flow and improper alignment and then a collapsed pelvic floor, which also can over time lead to, you know, different types of collapses also in their rectum and can cause cancer as well. Hmm. So that's why I think it's really important for everyone to see a pelvic floor therapist, if you can't afford it, obviously. Um, but I do think it is important to health, especially then on top of that, if you've had children for women. Um, again, not everyone needs, not everyone has the needs to be able to, but I do suggest at least looking up videos and understanding because there are free source, resources out there. Just Googling it on YouTube and be careful also to the people you listen to. Um, just have discernment and prayer over that and with the videos that you watch because some of them are very sexually charged like the lady that I recently unfollowed who talked about masturbation with people with kids literally children so um, yeah with that I'm gonna go into dilators so dilators is basically well they are <laughs> um, essentially how would I explain it? A dilator is basically a tool that is shaped like a penis, right? It's a phallic looking tool and they range from a very small size all the way up to a larger size. And when women use them, normally it's to prepare for marital sex because they have a very narrow or very shallow vagina that isn't used to penetration. And that can be sensationally painful for women. This is my precursor, though, for dilators. I never used them, uh, but I also had sex at a younger age before I was married. And then, you know, knowing that that I had already broken my hymen, I wasn't too worried about intercourse, me personally. But it doesn't mean that it's also not painful just because you've stopped again as well. So for you ladies that feel like using these would not be they wouldn't be an issue for you leading into marriage where you possibly could use them for masturbation. I would say, yes, that's a go. But my other precursor is 
if you see a pelvic floor therapist and they're like, no, you'll be fine. You should be okay. You wouldn't have any abnormal amounts of pain. I say, don't get them. Don't get them. And even if the doctor says, I think you'll have severe pain, you should try to practice beforehand. Um, And practicing doesn't mean penetrating yourself. It means allowing it to go in and sit, and then you do certain exercises with it internally inside of you. Um, I still think don't do it. And the reason why, biblically, I think this as a Christian, and I'm not saying to go against your doctor's wishes, but what I am saying is have discernment about it, because that also is taking away from your husband to be the first type of like insertion I feel like should be from a man, not from a tool. And God already knows your body and his body and knows exactly what's going to happen and is going to be there with you guys during your first time in intercourse. And if your husband truly is preparing and planning, um, he'll know the warning sign. Like you guys will see that pelvic floor therapist and obviously they would be separate appointments if you're not married, but she can also have the conversation with him saying, Hey, you know, she has a more narrow vagina or a very shallow vagina. You really need to, for the first three to six months, um, be very, very slow. Use a lot of lubricant. Like that's what the pelvic floor therapist is for. So that's why I do think it's really important to see a pelvic floor therapist because they can talk about these, you know, what could also be potentially awkward or embarrassing for your premarital counselor to go over, even though it shouldn't be. It's a part of a beautiful design in marriage. But Personally, I do think not using a dilator and letting your husband also learn how to pursue you and help you become more um, excited and more lubricated naturally, letting him figure out how to do that. Because if you just use dilators to get yourself there every single time, you're taking away him being able to pursue you. Do you, th- do you agree with that, Jeremiah? It's probably something you've never thought of until right now. Or is that too much work? No, it's not definitely not too much work. I, I think um, from a guy's perspective, if you don't tell us to actually look into this, we're not going to know. No. Because I've never heard anyone talk about pelvic floor therapists in my entire life. Until you met me. Yeah. You're going to, this is going to be something that you're going to have to lead in and then also like give him then the opportunity to continue that leadership mm-hmm. in that role. Yeah, um, and make decisions. I do think it's going to be very uncomfortable conversations because this is not an easy subject for a guy and for him to be like, yeah, I want to be the one that takes your hymen. 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 Okay. Yeah. Sorry for anybody named hymen <laughs> listening. <laughs> um it, it's not I don't know. It is a touchy subject, but it would be great to have like those, um, what do they call mentors in your life to actually have these conversations with. Well, that's why I personally think these conversations need to be had individually by parents and from parents to their teenagers, obviously at the appropriate time, but in a not creepy or weird way or demeaning way or putting down way, but in a way like my mom was very matter of fact with me when I first actually started my menstrual cycle when I was 11, I think Mm -hmm. she was like, Hey, we have tilted uteruses in our family. So you could have more cramping. And I was like, what is that? (laughs) I had no idea. And she was very matter of fact with me. Like your uterus is blah, blah, blah. 
And what that means is when your body starts bleeding, it crunches. And, you know, she gave me the whole talk. I wish it didn't happen the first time I ever started my menstrual cycle because that was so much all at once. So, uh, but I do love you, mom. You did the best that you could with me as a crazy kid. <laughs> but that's what I'm trying to say. If you know a season is coming for your child to prepare them better and to make them feel not embarrassed or ashamed of their body, you have to be matter of fact with them and also be specific and explain God's design for our bodies. And there is there is no shame about these things in the correct context, right? In God's perf- purposeful and beautiful context, all of these things are beautiful. And if you and that's why I would I wish I would have been able to feel comfortable enough that like my family mentioned things like dilators or checking in with my pelvic floor, but also my family didn't even have this knowledge and most people don't. So that's why if you're a parent and your kids are already all grown up and you're listening to this, please don't feel like you are a bad parent. Or if you're a a child listening to this and I mean, we're all children at the end of the day, but I'm not going to sit here and also get mad at my family and be like, how dare they not prepare me in this way? Most of them didn't know. Okay. And this is also a topic that's barely even ever spoken about at church in marital circles, let alone anything else. So I just, I 10 out of 10 recommend taking a step back, praying about these things and asking God, what's one, are any of these things for me? Two, are any of these things going to make me sin or stumble and not walk closely with you? And then three, if they are for me and or my husband, How do I, in a healthy way, broach that subject with my husband or wife? And how do I lovingly say, I care about our health, I care about our bodies, I care about our sexual health, because you should in a marriage? And how do we explore this avenue together? And also, is it okay financially? So dilators are wonderful, and I think that they're amazing tools that have helped so many women so many women all over the world. And especially, they also are very helpful through pregnancy as well. Um, At the end, I should say, of pregnancy. So there are tons of tools and uh, I don't want to get too far into it because we have other things we're going to talk about in this episode and I don't want to make a part three. (laughs) But I I do think with dilators and now what we're going to talk about pelvic floor wands it's the same thing which also the company that I love the most and I'd love if you guys sponsored me (laughs) uh I love intimate rose products so much they are all medical grade silicone for dilators and pelvic floor wands and they also come with free videos and I learned so much through their website for free and through buying their products but I love intimate rose and we, we have their info in our show notes and also the parafit that I'm going to be talking about as well through Kegels because there's a wrong way to do Kegels, you guys. Uh, but for pelvic floor wands, so if dilators help kind of like think about with yoga, like stretching, right? Mm-hmm. If dilators help with stretching, uh, pelvic floor wands help with like a release. So if you have a tight muscle, the pelvic floor wand will hook in and it has two different ends and it's S-shaped, it will hook in to parts of internally and externally, vaginally, and even for men um, and women rectally as well because men will have like anal prolapse and things like that that do affect their pelvic floor, especially if they push too hard or sit too long on the toilet. Guys out there who are on the toilet for over 10 minutes, 
that is literally that can cause anal prolapse. I literally try to warn my husband all the time. It bothers me. But this is the next sound bite, isn't it? <laughs> Guys, all the get gentlemen, off the toilet. Go in leave the, the phones. Yeah. No, seriously, I'm not even joking. Yes, don't even for women. Don't sit on the toilet for a long period of time. It's not healthy for you. Uh, but for pu- pelvic floor ones, think about them as like if you're coming to see me, right? If you guys come to see me, we're hooking into muscles and I'm having you do movements to release. This is what I've trained Jeremiah to do. And um, they have different kinds. There's one that's heating and warming on the website. The one that they didn't have it out when I bought my pelvic floor wand. But someone suggested to me to buy the vibration one because my I had really painful internal stuff happening. And I used it. And one, I never used the vibration. So it was like too, overly priced. And also, too, it felt weirdly sexual, I guess, with it vibrating. So I didn't like that. But then three... Um, I don't like the vibration because I can't feel what's going on. Yeah, it sounds numbing to the muscle. It Well, it is. It's numbing not to your muscle, but to your brain. So if you have an extreme injury, I could see why or how that could help um, because it's the disassociation. So I do that actually with my clients when I'm hooking into an area that's extraordinarily painful. Let's say someone has like a chronic neck issue and I'm hooking in. I'll use like a type of Theragun on their arm and and vibrate in a separate area to help them disassociate from what's going on. But when that happens, they're not actually using. So basically what's happening is their body's being so distracted, they can't process the pain and which is a good thing. And then it helps them release, which is also great, but it should never be that painful or intense during a release anyway. Uh, If your body is at that point where it's like so intense that it can't focus then you're pushing too hard. So I very rarely ever have to do that. And again, it's much more for chronic injuries. And I think I've maybe only ever done it like three or four times in my office ever. But it's the same thing with internal. Like you should feel what's painful and what's going on. And then you should be able to feel it release and feel it feel better. And let me tell you guys, it's not a sexual experience. Like even when Jeremiah helps me, it's kind of intense and painful, right? Because I'm facing pain. And but I feel so much better afterwards in the same way that I suggest when people are actually going into labor to be you should be like a little bit it should I don't know I shouldn't say turned on but if you make it more intimate and more sensual not necessarily sexual but sensual you are more naturally lubricated your body's more naturally relaxed and you are going to release better and or have a better uh, birth because your body, your muscles are more relaxed and you're less likely to tear. So same thing with internal work. You won't tear from that. I mean, it'd be really difficult to do. Um, but, and the other thing with pelvic floor wands, people should never go six o'clock or 12 o'clock. And also if you go to intimate rows, they'll show videos of that and explain it more in depth. But I do recommend again, again, the same thing I said with the dilators, please, if you are single and or married and you think any of these things are going to cause you to masturbate or do anything sexually outside of the wedding bed with your husband or wife, please don't get them and go see a pelvic floor therapist and do all of these with a therapist as accountability. Um, the last thing that I'm going to mention, and this is Kegels. So, There are tools out there, which I thought, because I was just told to help. So if dilators are stretching, pelvic floor wands are releasing and training your muscles to release. 
then Kegels are strength training, right? So it's getting your muscles to activate properly. So you have activation and deactivation. So pelvic floor wands help with deactivation, which is what most people need. But if you deactivate, 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 okay, your body's in a chronic relaxation state now. Your vaginal floor, your pelvic floor, and your vaginal walls are in a deactivation state. How do I get it to flex properly? How do I know? Well, if you just Kegel and Kegel and Kegel and Kegel, you don't know if you're working your deep uh, pelvic floor or your shallow pelvic floor. So women don't realize that they can activate multiple parts of their pelvic floor when it comes to Kegels and their vaginal walls. And some of it is sometimes frozen, some of it's not. And I love for the price of being like just barely over $100, all the other ones are like $200, $300, so stupidly expensive. The Parafit is my favorite one. And um, it's actually kind of fun. They have like games. You like you, pr you put it in internally and then you have games and then you look at your phone and you like play Flappy Bird and stuff. It's so fun. And they have all these different kinds of games. It's a good time. I haven't done it in actually a long time and I probably should. But uh, it helps you understand where you're weak and what kind of incontinence you have. So like I used to have urinary incontinence because I have spinal bifida. I was born with it. So I have trouble basically holding in my urine. I've never even given birth to healthy babies before. So when I had those problems, I realized I had an issue with my pelvic floor and I was always told I'd forever have that problem, but I was able to retrain my pelvic floor to where I can actually hold my urine, which was like amazing to me. I never even understood that in my brain until I got the parafit. So things like these types of tools literally can be life-changing for some men and women. Uh, it also can be a really fun experience too like when you're playing the game you can lay down because you're supposed to lay down I you need to be really advanced to do them standing up but if you lay down and you're playing the game and your husband's with you like he'll cheer you on and get excited and think that it's fun and it can also lead to also having intercourse with your husband that's actually never happened to Jeremiah and I but I just I could see him being very happy that I was doing that uh and then fast forwarding to it's also healthier for you giving birth because you can control your vaginal walls better and push better. You can control your abdomen better, your lower back. Uh, it helps control your glutes. And when you're weightlifting, it just it helps you balance and counterbalance your body weight better as well. So you're less likely to get injuries. So I'm a huge fan of all these tools. And I do think in the proper context and as long as you don't sin using any of these things, that they're amazing. But I also love specifically the Parafit does not have any vibration or anything with it because it's not a they literally put on their website this is not a sexually charged tool it's used to help women heal and get better and i i loved that and the price is low so again parafit please sponsor me i would love you forever and always so that's advice that i give number 9 um getting blood work and labs done before intimacy so this is you don't have to do all of these things, but this is a good baseline check. Jeremiah and I did not get our sperm. He didn't get a sperm checked or I didn't get my eggs checked or anything like that. Uh, if we had the finances, that would have been nice. But we did check uh, overall. We made sure we were healthy from like STDs and stuff like that because we had previous partners. I did get an overall health checkup as well. And actually, we found out right before we got married 
that I had a cyst on my thyroid and I had PCOS like literally a week before our marriage. And that was actually kind of scary. So I wish that we did that sooner. Um, so I definitely recommend getting that done if you can and save up. I mean, you're going to be saving up for marriage anyway. This should be a part of your savings plan. And 10, last but not least, mental and emotional check. Uh, I wish Jeremiah and I spoke more in depth about mentally and emotionally how sex affected us leading up to our wedding night. Not saying that it wasn't beautiful and amazing because it definitely was, but I wish that we discussed more in depth how we felt about intercourse and how intercourse had hurt us in the past because we were intimate outside of marriage and then also our expectations of what we expected in marriage. So mental and emotional check-in with your spouse and continuing that throughout marriage as well because there are sexual goals that you'd like to hit, especially when it comes to having children and planning around ovulation and all that stuff. But Jeremiah, I know, so this was, this was for both men and women to, to check in with, but I know Jeremiah has specific things in sexual health for men that he got. All right, you guys get ready for this. There's one month, you know, we, we know it as one month. They have their period and that's all we really know. <laughs> so there's four weeks in a month. Week one is menstruation. Week two is follicular phase. Yeah, yes, you did it. <laughs> week three is ovulation. Uh-huh. Week four is something lunar phase. The luteal. Luteal phase, all right. <laughs> so week one is when she starts her cycle, and her horm- hormones are going to be low. Her estrogen and her progesterone levels will be low. She won't mm-hmm. be as sexually active. Uh, week two, follicular phase yeah i'll never get over this the follicular phase begins after menstruation um one dominant follicular matures which is the egg and then it is released uh in the next cycle ovulation ovulation usually occurs around day 14 um halfway through your cycle that works it's easy to remember so like halfway through a month basically yeah so the mature egg is then released and it makes it available for fertilization fertilization (laughs) and then the progesterone levels will start to increase and the uterus will potentially be ready for pregnancy so during follicular phase and especially ovulation is when women are most randy is the best way to put it oh randy (laughs) and and then there's the fourth phase uh the luteal phase follows ovulation this is when the egg is going out of cycle and then the period starts. Yeah. So during that phase, that's when women tend to have a bigger hormonal swing. They feel a little more bloated. Their body's preparing for menstruation, which is the beginning of the next monthly cycle yeah. for women. And then also just for you guys, you know, like when your testosterone's low, when your adrenals are low, you're not getting that, uh, getting your workouts in or just being productive with your lifestyle. Like you're going to feel this. Your wife's going to feel this. And you know, you will start to build up stress. Or even not providing in the way that yeah. the Bible says to provide yeah. for. I mean, way. for myself, it, it, was, it hurt me a lot last year that I was not able to have a full-time job. And I was just doing construction one-off jobs here and there. Mm-hmm. So anything could happen. And just also, I want to make this clear. Having intimacy with God 
mm. is the best way you could have your intimacy with your wife and then do it with her as well. Have prayer at night, have prayer in the morning. Okay, I didn't know what you meant by do it for a second. I'm glad you... Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And always. Dirty minds. No, that wasn't... Love we're you. talking about sex. I know, it's perfect. <laughs> I can actually say that and not be embarrassed. <laughs> Slightly. <laughs> Slightly. <laughs> No, Jeremiah, you make really good points. After all of this is said and done when it comes to sexual health, and that leads into beautifully with what intimacy is in a sexual marriage with a husband and wife in Christ. Health is one thing, but if you don't have the spiritual intimacy with God, mm-hmm. and that literally was my only point. In Who under- are you doing this for? Yes. Look, all of the podcast episodes I are know. connecting. Um <laughs> If you're really truly doing this for the Lord, like if your marriage isn't is for God and isn't just for like the guy that you thought was super hot at youth group that you ended up marrying or your whole dream was just to become a mom or just become a dad uh, and understanding that marriage is a gift and a blessing and an honor from the Lord and only given to you by God the same way that children are then sexual intimacy is not going to be difficult for you in marriage. Even if you've had sexual intercourse outside of marriage or struggled outside of marriage and you guys truly repented together, when it comes to being intimate in marriage, it's going to be beautiful and vulnerable and intimate because you are already more intimate with the Lord and in front of your husband in prayer and in getting to know God through the word and through your community. If you truly, and I'm going to say this too for singles, I cannot stand when singles are not serving, whether it's in their community or at their church. It's one thing, like I do think couples should be serving as well, but I also understand the aspect of like when you're married, you have different schedules. And even in the Bible, it makes it clear like singles can do more. And guess what? Guess what the most attractive thing is in order to be around a husband or a wife If I see a man serving, and I don't just mean putting up chairs at church (laughs) or like being on it. I I have to disagree just slightly. Serving is serving. No, I'm saying because, you know, they're the people who just come on Sundays and then they stack chairs. It's better than the people that don't show up to stack the chair and just come and sit in it. But then they go live like a normal, you know, like life outside of that. I'm saying your servitude should be clear through your fruits in day to day. It is one thing you should be serving at your church, don't get me wrong, in small ways or big ways, whatever you're called to in that season. But what I'm saying is it should be very obvious and clear through your community and the friends that you're around. Like, wow, when I met Jeremiah, he always was so helpful to like all of his friends. And I could tell like he loved, and even the Bible, it says like we're supposed to take care of the homeless. We're supposed to take care of the widowed. And the homeless doesn't just mean homeless men on the street you give a dollar to. It means truly serving that community and serving the community around you that really needs help. Like if your friends are really low on money and you make good money, do you actually tithe to them as well and help them? Not in an unbiblical way or a way where you're like, wow, I can tell they don't spend their money well. Like pray about it. But what I'm saying is when you see someone's heart serving, like truly serving, that's how you fall in love with people. That's how people fall in love together. I mean, think of Ruth, right? And Boaz. Think of literally every single biblical story besides Adam and Eve who were literally made for each other. But people saw the other people serving for God and fell in love with each other. Point blank, you know? So I'm not saying that stacking chairs isn't attractive, especially when you can lift 30 above your head. 
That is always a competition amongst us, guys. (laughs) But what I am saying is I want you guys to seek out the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And that was the best advice that my friend's mom ever gave me. My best friend had passed away and uh, her mom was so sweet. She checked in on us, her friends, to make sure that we were okay. And um, she asked us point blank, like, "What, what are you guys looking for? in marriage. And I remember my friend and I kind of, I, she actually is the one who made this up and then I agreed with her. And I, I, I was like, well, yeah, I mean, we both agree that, you know, when, when it's always like, it was like, we wanted a Christian guy. We wanted him to have a good personality and he wanted to be attractive. I wanted him to be attractive. Those were like, it was like the three basic things. Like, can he just be Christian attractive and have a good personality? I'll marry him. I'm so it shouldn't be that hard, but always one of the three was missing. Like he wasn't a Christian, but he was attractive and had a good personality or he was a Christian, but not attractive, but he had a great personality. And then I remember when I said that to her, I had never seen her look at me disappointed before until then. And I felt like I hurt my own mom's feelings. And I feel like I was kind of offended at first. I know my friend was really offended, but I was pretty offended. And she was like, Savannah, really? And I, was mortified. And I was like, well, what else, what should I be looking for? And the, this advice changed my life. And it actually made me pursue singleness purposely for like three and a half, almost four years was because <laughs> she said, anybody can be attractive or anyone can be a Christian, like claim to be a Christian. And she was like, or anyone can have a good, like, what do you consider a good personality? And she was like, well, have, do you even know what the fruits of the Holy Spirit are? And at that time I was like, no. And when we went through the fruits of the Holy Spirit, like I realized I needed to pray. I wasn't even that woman who had the fruits of the Holy Spirit. I didn't understand fully what God's love was, or at least to that, like that amount. I didn't understand because it's love, joy, peace, right? I didn't have God's love or joy or peace or patience or kindness and goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I had none of those things. And when I realized I had to start praying for a man like that, there's no way that a man like that would want a woman like me if I had none of those things. So let me just say, fruits of the Holy Spirit, finding someone with solid fruit. That And then what was cool is when I first met Jeremiah, um, when I went to see a pastor about whether or not I should date him because he was a newer Christian, the first thing that his wife said was, does he have the fruits of the Holy Spirit? And I was like, yes, he does. He shows them so well. And look, now we're married because he kept growing in them. So that's my advice for sexual intimacy and continue, like not just in singleness, but continuing that into marriage. That's really hard through intercourse, of course, like having that love, that joy with each other, that peace with each other, that gentle, like, oh, it's, it's already hard in the day to day. And then trying to exude that in intimacy is difficult, especially even though when it comes to self-control at the very end, like having the self-control to be patient and like focus on the other person at hand. Like it just really is very vulnerable. I don't know. Do you agree with what I'm saying? I do. I also, I want to add to that a little bit because I think it's, it's great to think about it as, you know, when you lift somebody up in prayer, like, when it comes to intimacy, sex, and your relationship, you should always be lifting up your wife or husband. Mm-hmm. And when you're in these com- in your community, I think one of the biggest things that is overlooked 
and I love hearing from men is when they lift up their wives around us. Mm. It's so true. It's just, it's a, it's a wonderful feeling to be intimate with your friends. Mm -hmm. And then when your wife or husband then hears how you're being intimate, it like, it just, it's a different level. Yeah. And not like detailed intimacy. Yeah. No, not detailed. But like my wife's amazing. You know, she like, I like my body is hers and she takes care of me and it's beautiful. Yeah. Well, it's, you think about God's commandments, right? Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength Mm -hmm. and love one another as you would yourself. Yeah. And that's not just in marriage that extends outside of marriage. Mm -hmm. But if you're not doing that in marriage and even in intimacy with your husband and wife, there's no way you're going to extend that to the most re- like closest of kin would then be your children. Yeah. And then what, like grandparents, family, parents, and then outside of that, friends, there's no way. So I think that's what's beautiful about marriage is we see the deepest and most ugliest and worst parts of each other, and it actually should, in a healthy marriage, make you love someone even more, especially through their repentance. And it's like in spite of that sin, I still love you. I almost love you because of that sin that I saw and how humble you came to the Lord and came to me and you were able to apologize and also clarify and communicate. And that's why I'm telling you the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And there's a reason why also they're in that order. It all starts with God's love. And guess what? If you struggle with, let's say, let's say it's patience. If you struggle with patience, let's see, love, joy, peace, patience. That means you don't have peace down. If you really struggle with patience, you don't understand peace, having true peace in every single season. And it goes like that all the way down, right? All the way to self-control. And that's why ultimately in every single aspect of your life, self-control is the hardest one because that takes every single layer of the fruit to get there. I have no idea how long this episode's actually going to be (laughs) because Jeremiah and I just talk to each other and then hope for the best (laughs) basically at the end of each episode. But we want to let you guys know before we go today that we are fervently and always praying for the people who are listening over this podcast. We are praying that seeds really are being planted. And even if it's just one thing that kind of changed the way that you thought or promoted you to read your Bible and get into the word or talk to God more, that's all that matters. It doesn't, it's not about getting views or listeners on a podcast. It's not about becoming more well-known We really started this podcast so that we could share the knowledge that we've gathered and the, I should say the wisdom from the, from the word and from the Lord and from our community and about holistic health in general, so that we could love on our community better and reach out to people that we also may have not met if it weren't for the podcast. And we've actually already had that. We have some interviews coming up with people that we met literally because we have a podcast that are continuing this series in what it means to have biblical health, especially when it comes to children and having a family. So I'm going to have Jeremiah pray us out. And while Jeremiah is praying, I would just like every single listener to take captive every thought and really pray about where you struggle when it comes to sexual intimacy. Is it in health? Is it in your marriage? Is it understanding the belief of what God really does have us designed for in sexual marriage? Is it with pornography? Is it after any type of lust? Um, Any aspect of what we spoke about today, just remember, 
like we said at the beginning, repentance can happen at any time and God died for you. He already did it. He did all the work. All you have to do is turn and repent. And repentance truly means changing your ways. And we're here as a community for you. There are tons of resources that we can also add for people to find um, in order to help you through any type of uh, sexual intimacy issues that you may or may not be having. And remember, this is a part of mental, physical, and spiritual health, which encompasses holistic health and holistic living. Take it away, my love. Lord, I want to say thank you for giving Savannah and I the strength and the encouragement and discernment that we've needed to do this podcast. And thank you for all our supporters and family members that have encouraged us. I also so grateful that I get an opportunity to pray over everyone that's listening to our podcast and just pray for protection for them, Lord, and discernment and strength and just be able to encourage each other also, Lord, and our community and in your body, Lord. I want to say thank you for your word and thank you for dying on the cross for us, Lord. It is it is so encouraging and loving and warming to know that you have already fought this war for us. And I just want to say thank you to everyone that is listening also, Lord, and we love you. And in your name we pray. Amen. Hello. We are interrupting this current episode, and I know you guys are excited for the very last topic of pornography and just the last part of basically what not to do with biblical sex. But <laughs> what? I just... Can't picture anyone listening, being excited for pornography episode. <laughs> well, it's good to know the stats and good to know how to protect your family and why pornography is bad. Yeah. Because then if kids or family or friends ask questions as to why pornography is not good, we're here to give you guys some, some advice. Yeah. Well, some good backup, basically. Some biblical advice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So speaking of biblical advice, we actually have a and a that's when oh. you, that's when you, yep. Oh, wait. wait. Ah! Yeah, gotcha. There we go. That was <laughs> so bad. Uh, we're here to do our first ever Q&A. You guys have sent in a bunch of different questions, and I had to filter out which ones were kind of repetitive, which ones, there were some that some people asked multiple questions in one, and uh, for the sake of the time of this episode, because we want to make sure, it's like a 30-minute episode and another 30 minutes. Uh, we wanted to make sure we cut it down. And also Jeremiah has no idea what the questions are. And it's fun because some are just for Jeremiah. Some mm. are just for me. Thanks, y'all. <laughs> and some are for both of us to answer. That'll be fun. Or it's, you know, it's not really said, so I'm assuming it's for both of us. Uh, and these are questions that were either sent to my DMs, sent over, like I made a story and asked people if they had certain questions they want me to ask on the podcast or comments. So anyone who commented questions or asked things, even though it was in a public setting, because you guys didn't give us the approval to put it on a podcast, we are going to just make those automatically anonymous, anonymous. Um, just for your guys' protection and safety. Okay? Let's do this. Let's get into the first question. Okay, so our first question comes from The Living Land Ranch, and it said, this person said, hey, curious... What test were you talking about when you paid extra 
uh, the urine test and how could I get it on Amazon? Okay. Yeah. So that is the vitamin D deficiency urine test. And did you, did you get the link that I sent you after? Did we put it on the podcast episode? No, not on the podcast episode, but I think you sent it to somebody. I sent it to you. Uh, no, no, I had to we go can put that up. in the show notes. <laughs> I found it. It is running about $80 right now. I think it went up in price. Well, the one that you found is actually way more effective and way better for you. So the one that I, and that's also the one that I found, but there also were just general inflammation tests, but mm-hmm. that most of them pair with a vitamin D test. So if you guys look up inflammation urine tests, uh, that's basically what you can type in on Amazon. And some of them were like $100, some were $80. I think the cheapest one I found was around $25. And obviously the more expensive ones don't necessarily mean that they're going to be better, but you want to, and we'll, I'll put those options in the show notes today. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess you will. Yeah, I will. <laughs> and they're pretty easy to use. It's like taking a chlorine test. Have you ever like tested water out of a pool or like in chemistry class? You just match the color. Yeah, and so you dip. Pretty self like explanatory. And that's the thing. the The real joke is, if I can do it, everyone can do it. If Jeremiah can do it, it's a little more complex. <laughs> 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 You'd think it'd be the opposite. Cause I'm in holistic health, but no, <laughs> it's complex. Oh, I have them right here. So the micronutrient test. That's the first one. The second one is the microessential hydration and range double rolled pH dispenser. So um, that's like the dispenser. You can check your urine. And it's honestly just a, you could also use that pH for everything, but you Mm -hmm. can check the acidity of your urine and see if it's too acidic, then you have higher inflammation. And then uh, the liver health and function test, I think is really good and really important. And that's a seven in one at home liver test, because if you have a lot of liver enzyme in your urine and like you can tell if there's too much or too little. And if there's too little, then your gallbladder is probably overactive. And yeah. What um, are we taking for our liver? I'm taking something for my liver right now, aren't I? Uh, magnesium. Huh? <laughs> magnesium glycinate at night. Yeah. And then uh, I take dandelion. Uh, that's one of the best things that I've been able to find for my liver. Uh, we do take, I mean, we take masticated liver as well and gallbladder. Yeah. So, yeah. And you should be taking those before bed to support yourself. So, yeah, that was the first question. That's you did easy. it. Do the tree thing now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We have an audience, people. Yeah. I promise that's the last time we'll use that today. <laughs> okay. Uh, here is the next question. So this is by someone who's anonymous. I'm 18 months postpartum with my third, her third child. I feel like I eat really clean and enough calories a day. I feel like I take in good supportive supplements and I lift weights for 20 to 30 minutes, three to four times a week. I don't do exercise cardio besides chasing the kids around a six story house all day. That's crazy. That is cardio. (laughs) And then on top of that cleaning, like, come on. Yeah. And also her lifestyle is like more of a farm lifestyle. Yeah, totally getting your cardio. And I feel amazing on the inside, lots of energy, but my outside does not reflect how I feel. I look at my pictures and I don't even recognize myself. I'm still the same weight today. I, I was nine months pregnant, 18 months ago. 
Anyway, I have a Cairo that I go to that's a functional medicine doc, but I haven't paid for any tests, trying to decide where I should start. That's tough. Do you want me to get started? This is totally you. (laughs) So this is an amazing question because I feel like normally the things that I get are the opposite where people look a certain way, like they look really good externally, but internally they feel like trash. And that was my life for a long time. And then it ended up flipping where... Uh, not flipping, but I also I felt trash inside and then looked trash outside. And then now it's the opposite where I feel the best at 30 that I have in my entire life. But on the outside externally, yeah, I don't look the way that I would want to. So I can really relate to this question. And, you know, to, to be honest, I do think it comes to a point like you've the person that said this, you've had three kids You've given birth to three beautiful children. Um, You also have a harder lifestyle as well. So like working outside, um, working with animals, doing all of those things. Uh, And I I honestly do think it comes to what, what is the purpose of the external? Are there things that actually seem unhealthy or is it more of a just aesthetic thing? Which by the way, just an aesthetic is not a bad thing. If you want to feel more beautiful and look more attractive, especially if it's for your husband, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. But there are things that are more difficult to uh, fix. Like, for instance, if you breastfed all three of your kids and how close together you had your children, uh, the closer they are, the more likely your breast will droop. And it doesn't matter. I mean, because they've seen tribes all over the world. The most active people who aren't on computers, aren't on cell phones. They have very low toxicity levels and they still have very droopy breasts. And that's just, (laughs) that's going to happen when you give birth and you breastfeed. Uh, There are lasers and things like that, or even um, it's not, I hate cooling, cool therapy is not, that does nothing for you for tightening your skin. Uh, They actually are, um, do you remember Jeremiah, that machine that we looked up? I forget what it's called. Red light? It's a re- it's a type of red light, but remember they like, they it literally it burns your skin lightly and helps tighten it, mm. um, and it also removes fat. But that's also those machines are very expensive. Yeah. Um, if you're looking for an all natural solution, I guess the question is more of like, what are you trying to fix? Because if it's a, a saggy tummy, um, or versus stretch marks, those are two totally different things. When it comes to stretch marks, again, it would be more of like a microdermabrasion or laser therapy. Um, when it's a tummy, like if it's like a saggy or tummy, uh, honestly, like, yes, you can tone up. And I do think weightlifting can help with that, but it also depends on how much weightlifting are you doing and, how I, mean, I know it was mentioned that it was three to four times a week, but you also have to have a certain amount of weight. Like it, you need to be able to go up in weight to be able to tone up, right? Yeah. So in order to build, well, not in order to build muscle, in order to create muscle density and to create that muscle mass, you have to be working around your seventy percent body um, max. So you you find your max weight and then you reduce it by about 30% and then that's your working weight. If you're not working with your working weight, you're not really building muscle. You're just, um, what is it? You're ca- causing micro tears. So it's just ca- giving endurance to the muscle, not mm-hmm. building mass. Yeah. So if you're trying to build mass to replace 
I guess like fat tissues and stuff like that, mm-hmm. then you, you have to eat more protein and you have to increase the, the amount of weight you're lifting. Yeah. And that's the other thing too. You have to know that 70% of weight loss, and I would even say if you're talking to a nutritionist, people say it's like 80, more like 80 to 90% of weight loss. If that's what this question is about is diet and yeah. you need to be eating So like, let's say you weigh 200 pounds and you know that your healthy weight, that you feel good and you still are muscular, you're not overly thin is around 160 or even down to 140. Let's say you're more on the severe end of being overweight. If you want to get down to 140, then you should start eating about, what is it? Should she start at 180 first? Um... I would start at 200 grams of protein in the beginning so for like the first month. Start at your weight. That way your body gets used to used to it because your body needs that energy. And yeah, to be need, able to burn it. And it needs to kind of catch up. And then I would start reducing it after that. So, and I do agree with you to do it gradually, Jeremiah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously having enough protein in itself already becomes a fat burner and people don't understand that. And also to cutting back a little bit on fats. Fats are really healthy for you and amazing. I wouldn't say cut back butters significantly, but I would say cut down a little, like there's a reason why bodybuilders, they eat a ton of protein, but then they'll cut down on oils and fats to tone out. So I would say like one month, you know, eat your regular amount of butter. And then the next month, cut down to half that amount and then go back up the next month, eat the regular amount, cut down to half just to kind of give your body that influx. Some people do it weekly as well to cause more of a metabolic confusion. But if it's more just about weight loss, I feel like the best thing to start if you're already doing a workout and you feel consistent with it, if you're doing that 70% weight, so like Jeremiah mentioned, um, and it's not working, then diet. Diet's going to be the biggest thing. And it may be too that the diet that you're currently eating is actually not best for you sustainably. And some people will be like, well, you know, I do eat a lot of protein. Okay, then look at your generational background. Maybe your body is act- actually does better with fish than red meat or like lighter proteins where it's easier for your body to break down and yeah. it doesn't sit in your gut as long. Some microbiomes do really well with that and some microbiomes don't. So For instance, Jeremiah has a much faster metabolic rate than I do. He does really, really well with red meat. And I do a lot better digestionally digest. I can't, I can never say that word, whatever. With digesting chicken and fish and my historical background, my family's all lived in some sort of Mediterranean type of lifestyle. So they did eat a ton of fish. They ate a lot more legumes where, and I digest legumes and beans and rice way better than Jeremiah. (laughs) He does way better with meat and potatoes. Yeah. So I'm not saying you need to cultivate an entire individual meal for yourself, but eating local locally and sustainably gets you really far. But generationally, I personally think is the most important. And that's personally where I would start. And that's actually what made a huge difference for me with weight loss and with Jeremiah besides the swelling and bloating. And that's the other thing. If you feel like it's not necessarily fat, but it's swelling and bloating because you mentioned that you feel the same that you did after pregnancy, then um, it sounds like you may need to, when you do get blood work, if you're going to do that, check in with your liver enzymes, check in with your adrenals and see how they are chart wise. 
I would like to add, you know, like a couple months, months ago, I was not feeling great inside. And when we started doing that, um, what it, not the bacteria, but, um, yeah, Jeremiah did really great with the parasite cleanse. Parasite cleanse. That and one I did really great. helped me. And I, I feel like my body's changed so much since it did change a lot. You've toned out a lot. And I, it's funny cause I was the opposite. I did great with the bacterial cleanse and yeah. I'm still continuing doing that on and off because that's the only, that's like the main thing that helped me. So I think those, that's where I would recommend when it comes to testing on where to start, get blood work on your liver, your adrenals, get blood work on your vitamin D levels, uh, and just basic inflammation. You probably also heard about the urine tests and stuff. So maybe do that if you'd want. But if you can get the chiropractor to order those tests for you, then it will be covered by your insurance. So don't even get them on Amazon. Just have your chiropractor order all of those things and check. I didn't know a chiropractor can do that. Yeah, chiropractors are doctors, so they can do everything. It's kind of annoying. Wow. I know. It makes me want to go back to school just to get my doctorate in that so I can write prescriptions for people. So. Uh, but with that, I hope that we answered your question. And if you have any other questions, please don't hesitate to ask. But question two down. This is easy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. This is actually kind of nerve wracking. Okay. Uh, this next question was actually specifically for Jeremiah. And it was written in one of our comments about our four miscarriages. Uh, because this person, again, didn't give us the approval to talk about this. I'm not going to say who it is. But uh, Jeremiah had commented that this has been a journey for the both of us and I would give, oh, and I would have struggled so much if I didn't have God, is what Jeremiah said. This uh, woman commented underneath, she said, I'm so interested in hearing about this and what you did to Jeremiah. I'm 34 and it has never had the experience of having miscarriages and having to rely on each other. A biological child all the time. I always say, if God wants me to conceive, I will. But if not, then I can accept that. But thank you for sharing your story. It's inspiring. Yeah. So, you know, this this is a interesting topic for us. And I think God really prepped us for these types of conversations. For myself, um, it, it's never pleasant to feel grief, you know, but I think for myself, serving God and my wife and others really helped me. Before being a Christian, I didn't understand God's love, but now that that, that has changed my life and how I respond to relationships and the people trying to serve me with lo- with his love, I don't I don't feel hurt or loss because of it, and it's only God's gain and he gives me an opportunity and a selflessness and gives me an opportunity to give him control and like allows him to have the opportunity to have miracles in our lives and stuff like that. And I think, I think we always try to have control and that was my biggest thing. And having control over all the situations does not give me an opportunity to receive or give love. That's true. So I think that's, that's that's how I really got, got through it all. And like, still it makes me choked up and sad. And, but knowing that we have three, four, no, four, mm-hmm. four amazing babies in heaven. Jeremiah, and I lost track. Yeah, I, I lost track. I just, 
Yeah, I can't wait to get there. And I'm so blessed that they didn't have to endure this world and see what we've had to see and go through what we've had to go through. And yeah, they got to, they just got to wake up in the arms of Jesus. I know. And for this person, we don't, we don't know if you've had miscarriages. We don't know if you have had struggle just being fertile. But we want you to know specifically that Jeremiah and I are praying for you. And yeah. obviously for everyone who listens to this podcast, but we are praying for you individually. And just because you're 30, 34 years old doesn't mean you could not conceive a child. Mary was a virgin. <laughs> well, she'll be the only one. But Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was a plan and purpose for that. But that, there's still a plan and purpose for all of us individually. And Mary, uh, even Mary's uh, cousin, right, Elizabeth, yeah. She gave birth to John the Baptist. They thought that they weren't going to be able to conceive and have children. She and, was definitely over the age of 40. Well, and that, yeah, and that's the thing. She got to give birth to the one who was going to call out and say, the Messiah is coming. Yeah. And he baptized mm -hmm. God. Yeah. He said, I'm not even worthy to wash yeah. his sandals. And he even said, he said that in front of Jesus too. So we want to encourage you, and I mean, there's also a bajillion other stories like that in the Bible, and just even then, and Jeremiah and I are very hard believers, and only God has the power to truly open and close the womb, and that's why I do love love. I love love <laughs> that you said uh, that we want to allow God to have the opportunity to be 100% glorified and he will choose when to do that. Yeah, it's his gift. Mm -hmm. And God's going to honor your patience and your yearning. And sometimes, too, there is a plan and a purpose for why he closes our wombs. And it's not always for a season. Sometimes it is for our life. And Jeremiah and I are going through that, too. We would love to adopt. We would. I would love to have bonus kids if Jeremiah came to me with children already, I would have not been upset about that. And he knows that. The other way around, he probably wouldn't have even dated me. That's like a thing with guys. I don't know why. But uh, I think it's much more likely for women to be excited that they're going to receive a child, even if it's not their own biological one, and especially Christian women and men, because we understand what it means to be adopted. We understand that true, unconditional love that we're a part of a family. So... Um, of course we'd love to share, we will, uh, in the future share more in depth, probably all four of our miscarriages and hopefully and prayerfully we won't have more of those stories to share from our own experience. Cause I know a few people did ask about that actually, if we could share our miscarriage stories, but that yeah. would be like a whole episode in itself. <laughs> and also I feel like we'd have to really pray and prepare for that emotionally and especially most importantly, spiritually. Yeah. Um, 100%. I think it's going to be such a long episode just because it'll be hard to get through it a little bit. It will be hard to get through it, but also to explain what we learned individually oh, yeah. every single time was so different. So for both of us, and that was also hard to encourage each other while also learning and being humbled and also getting sick and not feeling good and being depleted. So, uh, and I know I commented back to you individually, the person who asked this, uh, ways that I got better and felt better and started feeling better to, to prepare myself for that. But we'll talk about that another time. Mm -hmm. Let's move on to the next question. Okay. So this is from Jenny Missinese. I don't know how to say 
I, maybe it's just like a clever name that I don't know about. Jenny Missanese. Jeremiah, this is another question for you. How does it feel talking about sexual health with your wife for strangers to hear? That's the first question. And then the second one is, as a man, does it make you feel uncomfortable? I feel like no man has ever been okay talking to me about our sex life. There's a it, lot it, to it, unpack in that. Yeah, because it, it is, it's an awkward perspective to know that women are listening and you know, it's not, I'm not talking to men directly because I'm like, our audience is mainly female. I think we've had three men like listen in Mm -hmm. according to our stats and (laughs) like hundreds of women, the rest are all women. (laughs) So like just knowing that talking to my wife about our sex life and our experiences is, is not difficult, but knowing that people are listening to that it, it, it's a little embarrassing. <laughs> well, I don't think we've been explicit. Do you feel no, that way? No, I don't think we've been explicit, but still to have these conversations when you've never really had these conversations. Like I didn't talk to my parents about sex or my friend. Like I didn't even talk to the, the guys about sex. But you. So, t- but we talk about it. But we talk about it. And I think it makes it easier knowing that like we both trust each other and we're both really open. And then also the ability to just go into the podcast and be like, I don't like the way this was said. That's true. We have been able to, Jeremiah has stopped me from saying I'm more open. <laughs> yeah. Savannah's definitely more open. And then also I, I really do believe that, you know, God gave us an opportunity to, to speak about this. And like you said, because not a lot of people are willing to talk about this, especially in the Christian community, I feel like we were kind of called to, and I feel like God is actually protecting us through this. We do, mm-hmm. we do feel the spiritual pressure from the other side. Like mm-hmm. it is doing the research and stuff. Like I know you were telling me like that, that got to you a little bit. And I'm sure like if I had to do the research into the porn more, like that would have got to me and like. It did. Yeah. It made yeah. me really uncomfortable. And like there were definitely, I could feel like weird thoughts that I'd never thought of before pop into my head. Yeah. And just there are certain things that are just straight up like demonic that, that I mean, everything about pornography is demonic, but none of that happened when we spoke about each other or ourself, like ourselves in that way. Yeah. And the only really personal thing that we discussed was probably me saying, oh yeah, we use aloe vera. Yeah. <laughs> and that made Jeremiah blush. So, I, Well, because like, it's kind of like talking about our bedroom and like that's, that, that gets us like to the point where like, okay, this is getting intimate now. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't mind because I know this is not, not for us. It's for God and it's for our listeners. So if, if it helps them I'm more than willing to be open and honest, you know. But without crossing boundaries of what's respectable to each in other our marriage yeah. yeah and most importantly to the lord yeah uh, i also wanted to make a comment because at the end she wrote i feel like no man has ever been okay talking to me about our sex life um i'm just gonna throw a bone out here but the way okay. that's worded sounds like this person is possibly having sex outside of marriage mm-hmm. unless i i mean i don't know i could be wrong mm-hmm. the way it's worded it sounds like that and you can correct me, you can DM me <laughs> and let me know. But I was just going to say, if this is, if these are or have been multiple people outside of marriage, that's probably why, because it's being done outside of marriage. 
And if a man is okay with having sex with you outside of marriage, he doesn't really have the same sanctity of keeping the marriage bed, like the, the pressure, I guess I should say, of I'm going to pursue this woman consistently every day, let alone in in the like bed together, but we're also going to talk about it and check in with each other outside of the marital bed. I'm going to ask like how she feels, not just right afterwards, like, Hey, did you get it too? (laughs) How do you feel? But checking in afterwards and saying like, I, I, do you feel pursued? Do you feel loved? Um, are there things you've ever wanted to discuss or how did I do? Do you feel like I, I did things that made you feel catered for and uh i don't know i just want to say pursue over and over again yeah and i don't do all these things perfectly at all either (laughs) well neither of us do yeah this is not a jeremiah's perfect or savannah's perfect podcast (laughs) let me tell you (laughs) and also when we do these research and answer these questions it's like kind of (laughs) convicting for both of us oh yeah it's like i need to really step up my game here But I hear things that Savannah says, like, I didn't do that recently at no, all. No, but they should happen. <laughs> yeah. So, and and if I'm wrong, and if the question is, I feel like no man has ever been okay talking to me about, oh, well, it says our sex life. So I think that's what made me think that. Mm-hmm. But if it was just about sex in general, yeah, I think there's appropriate time or place. Like, if you're single and not married, um, it should be spoken about probably more around like safe circles or in a premarital setting unless you can have those discussions without starting to lust after each other outside of marriage because remember you're sinning even if it's just a thought so which man I had to repent so much before we got married like I was just so excited to be with my husband and that's hard to think about you know so I'm sure Jeremiah did to an extent I'm sure everyone has struggled with that I mean thinking about how just your thoughts are sinful that's really hard, but you're yeah. not alone in those things. So I hope that these questions helped you. Yeah. And I think for that last Your question answers. also, um, a lot of men do not like correction and putting themselves in that situation where they would have to be corrected or told that they did not satisfy you is very difficult for them mm. because they want, they, when men have sex, they want to feel like they were, you know, the king of their household of the castle yeah so being told like oh, actually that it was not satisfying for me it's they they have egos and mm-hmm. it's not gonna it's not pleasant to approach that situation and it takes honestly a a real biblical christian man to want to take it the correction from his wife and to learn how to love his wife more yeah no one's ever i think excited to hear correction except for like you know, freaks of nature like me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Jeremiah's glaring at me because nobody likes it. That's the whole point. But especially when it comes to sexual activities yeah. and especially with someone that you love, like it's like a heart or I'm sorry, a knife in your heart. So yeah. that's great. That's true. So Jeremiah, to flip the question back onto you then, how would you recommend if a woman was in a relationship, and we're just going to say in marital status because mm-hmm. outside of that, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So if a woman's married to a man and he is not receptive really to talking about their sex life, how would you recommend she broach that subject? I know how I would do it, but mm. like in a biblical stance, I have that answer. Yeah. And I wonder if you're going to say the same thing. 
that's tough. You know, having that conversation with your husband will be really not, not hard, but I can see how it can be a little scary. You know, I want to encourage you to have that conversation because it's healthy. It's biblical. One, one thing I could give you advice on is, you know, when you have that conversation, make the suggestion that you should go talk to another guy that you trust about this. Ask him. Not you, the girl. The yeah. female does not do this. No, no, no. The female does not. He, she. The hypothetical. This is a hypothetical question yeah. for all the women listening. A- ask. Tell your husband to go and search for a another man that there can import input <laughs> biblical references and experience and just his life experiences into him. Yeah, because you could also be asking for something that's not biblical, like biblically okay within your marriage or could yeah. cause your husband to stumble or you could be sinning and you're less than the things that you want. So, And then on top of that, it could be something that he just has never known and learned and didn't even realize. He, he just does not have the confidence to do so. Mm-hmm. So, Well, that's why I was going to say like biblically, even though I asked you the question hypothetically um, to answer my own hypothetical question, I think in any type of dispute, it's good to go directly. Just like in first Timothy, you go to the person directly. Then if that doesn't work for you two talking, you go to someone who oversees you in a relationship. And then if that doesn't work, you go to one step up, one step up. Like that's how the church was built to work together. So, uh, but that's a great answer. Thank you, love. Yeah. I'm ready for the next question. Mm-hmm. Let's hear it. This is by hell zero zero. I think they're saying hello. Oh. Underscore avocado. Avocado? <laughs> yeah, but avocado. Hello, avocado. Savannah, what is your biggest health change this year? Ooh. Um, <laughs> We're only two months in. I know. That's why I was I'm like, mm, this year, my biggest health change this year. I guess the one thing I've been consistent about doing is supporting my liver at night. And I do notice a big difference. I... This may be TMI. I don't know. You asked this question, so you got a deal. I have had a lot of bile in my fecal matter when I use the restroom, which if anyone's wondering how do you know if you have a lot of bile, when you wipe, if it's a yellowy-ish color or if you look at your fecal matter and it's like slimy, then you have lots of bile. So I've had a higher bile count in my liver And taking dandelion and magnesium glycinate and stuff before bed has been significant. And I've been taking it throughout the day as a digestive and cutting back on, well, we don't have any seed oils in our diet, but even Mm -hmm. cutting back on things like avocado oil and only having olive oil, extra virgin olive oil and pressed locally. You gave up uh, raw sugar also this year. Yeah, raw sugar. I did. Well, I did that in December, November. But we didn't really... I mostly did. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah. We're on Christmas. <laughs> I failed. But because we were so good the months prior, it was better. So, but this year specifically, I've been really taking care of my liver and not just like stripping and flushing my liver. I feel like when people hear taking care of your liver, they think, well, I got to do a cleanse. Uh, but it's not a cl- like the cleanse. Cleanses are one thing. I've actually been supporting my organs, which has been like a game changer. I feel like everyone gets hopped up on cleanses. So that's my biggest, my biggest change. That and going on more walks, Erica, <laughs> Stacy. I've been walking more and dogs help, honestly. 
Thank God for these dogs. Otherwise, I hate walking. <laughs> you freakazoids out there who love just to walk to walk, I need like motivation to do things. If I'm going to go on a hike, I don't care about getting to the top of the mountain and looking at a pretty view. That is not worth it for me. I will hike with you if it means I get to collect herbs and stop your mojo along the way. P hikers hate me. They'll be like, oh, let's stop here. And then we're in a meadow for half a day. And they're like, I was supposed to summit. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Remember when we were dating, you said you like hiking? I do because I like foraging. Mm -hmm. It's not a caveat to me. <laughs> Are you ready for the second to last question? Yeah. Okay. This is from Sunny Side Hup. Sunny Side Up. Yeah, but it's like Sunny, I-E underscore side like cyanide and then hup with an h oh. so, hup. so that's an interesting i would like to ask you why did you pick that screen name uh this is a question what is the lot oh sorry the least holistic thing you guys do <laughs> i love this hmm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> maybe going to in and out in and out and jd flannel donuts oh but JD Flannel is also a local business that we support. Yeah. And they're gluten free. But we, yeah. I haven't eaten JD Flannel in forever because I can't have the sugar. Exactly. So that's so my guilty pleasure. The least holistic thing I, you know what? It's probably our massive TV. Yeah. I feel like that's the least holistic thing, like consistently that we do. Wouldn't you say? I yeah. feel like you should ask our friends this question, <laughs> let them judge us and our family. But, we have, um, Jeremiah and I, this was like our first purchase together as a married couple that we saved up for. And yeah, we did a lot of research into this TV. Yeah. I like TVs. Jeremiah is really techie. So this is probably, and this, it's like not my thing. I would not have a TV as big as we but do. But who uses it more? Oh, me, because I'm home more. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still like. We listen to our podcast on it. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably the, like. It's also the center of our home and we host a lot and we play games together and with guests a lot yeah. on it. So it is like something that we use, but do I love it? No. Yeah. I wish that we could have and afford a house where we could like put the screen away and make sure it's unplugged and make sure Bluetooth isn't radiating from it. I mean, we do try to unplug our Bluetooth and Wi-Fi at night and stuff. But I mean, we walk, this is the center of our home. So it's radiating around us all the time. So to me. Oh, and the oven, my microwave oven. Oh yeah. We had to get a microwave. You guys, that was like a knife. And that upset me. Upsetted. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it upset you. Yes. <laughs> it did upset both of us. And, oh, okay. I now I just feel like I'm outing us. I was a paper towel-free household, and I was excited to get a bidet toilet so we didn't have to use, like, toilet, know, paper. toilet paper. But then I realized, okay, guests aren't used to that, yeah. so I'm not going to do that to guests. But people also were really upset that we didn't have paper towels because I liked using regular towels yeah. instead. That was also very difficult, especially for when we had guests, and Jeremiah could not stand using towels so we use paper towels now. What else? And no, I'm not going to out us anymore. That's it. They asked for one thing. I know. Actually, I can't. I really can't think of anything else. We're pretty. Um, oh, we don't recycle super perfectly. No, we don't. But I think the reason why is because 
We can't and, compost. Well, and cal- we can compost. We d- I do compost for our garden. Throwing our stuff out in the garden does not count as compost. That's literally what composting is. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Jeremiah, that's literally the definition of compost. It's not what I, I've seen for compost. Okay, yes, we don't have a compost bin that I turn, but I turn things into our garden. Yeah. I plant things into our... Anyway. I agree. So I do a more natural version of compost where I also don't have to worry about turning it, but... We don't recycle very well because in California, it's been proven that like even when you separate things and do it all, it all and most of it ends up in the same place, which is unbelievably frustrating. But we do our best to in general recycle in our house. We don't even have a separate we have a separate recycling bin for outside. Yeah, but we buy in bulk. We're not really big consumers. No, we don't actually we don't even have enough. I think we take out our trash cans once every other week. We're never full on our I take it every out every week cuz I don't want the smell, but we're never full. The only time we ever really have trash is when we have, we have guests. Parties. Guests yeah. and parties, yeah. And it's mostly cuz we have to buy things then and, and use things that aren't like our all natural bulk stock. Yeah. For guests. And so, then when we food prep, food prep will we'll go through a, tr- a whole trash bag, but other than that well, that's because that's like prep for the yeah. Whole but we're week we're down to about one to two trash bags a week. Yeah, and most of that lot. too is like. And it's just wrappers. Yeah, it's not. It's like Jeremiah's. Uh, you love the poppy type drinks. Poppy drinks. Yeah. No, of those we things? don't. No, those are, they have uh, sativa in it. I don't like those ones. Not sativa. Stevia. Stevia. Sativa's marijuana. Oh. Well, that's definitely not in it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, um, those are our dirty little secrets, I guess. Which is so funny that someone asked that. Okay, here is our final question. Still thinking. What is it? <laughs> Can we have like some like fun party sound for that? Our final let's question? See, let's see what we got here. What's the sound? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. over, you guys. It's our final question. No, give me like a happy sound. See, I think this one might be more whimsical. <gasps> there you go. Yeah, that's it. This is our final question. <laughs> oh, I loved that sound. Okay, this uh, person's name is Elizabeth. She said, I've always had sex outside of marriage, and I don't know how to stop. And now it's also a sin because of your podcast to touch myself. <laughs> I don't know where to start. Okay, first of all, it's not because of our podcast, but that's really funny. Um, I don't know where to start. Why don't you let me start with this, honey? Because it's me talking directly to a woman. So Go for it. Maybe for an appropriate level. I've always had sex outside of marriage, and I don't know how to stop. Okay, so, I mean, I started with having sex outside of marriage. And honestly, accountability is the number one thing for us ladies, because it's like that extra embarrassment and shame when a friend checks in and you just feel you literally feel horrible. But when I've had friends ask me to hold them accountable and vice versa, I actually came to a point where I realized, why do I feel more embarrassed by the women like the women checking in in my life than I do facing the Lord? Like I had no fear when it came to the Lord. And that's why Proverbs 1, 7 is like drilled into my head. But if you don't have fear for the Lord, you will not have wisdom in your life. And wisdom means in how you're preparing yourself and saving yourself for marriage. So I personally think that you should probably get into Proverbs and maybe also read first, first John, 
second John, basically called the Johns. <laughs> Read everything about God's love and then practicality as well. And Proverbs is really good at showing you practicality. And if you really do are struggling with sex outside of marriage where you have zero guilt about it, then I would really even question if you love God at all. And I'm not going to sit here and say that you're not a Christian or you're not saved. But if you don't love the Lord, then you love sin and you love your own selfish desire more, which means I can question if you are a sister in Christ, whether or not you're solidly walking with God and whether or not you truly love him and respect him. Because if he really is your first, like Jeremiah is the first human in my life, I will do everything in my power to love him and respect him. That's a part of our vows, right? And if I'm... <laughs> having sex with other people, I'm pretty sure people would be like, Savannah, you say you love him, but then you go cheat on him all the time. And that's what God says literally from the Old Testament all the way to the New Testament. He makes it so clear that he's a jealous God. And if you are giving yourself to other people, to other gods, and not focusing on him and trusting him and his design for your life, then we have every right to sit back and say, hey, are you, do you, are you truly devoted to him? Do you really love him and do you trust him? So I think that's a good start for you to ask yourself whether or not you really want to have a, a really deep relationship with Christ or if you want to be lukewarm. But just be careful because God says, I spit those out who are lukewarm. Yeah. What do you mean by gods? Do you mean gods, idols? Like Yeah. So mm -hmm. God's lowercase g. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's the God. And how, how does way. masturbation become lowercase g? Um, because it's 100% self-serving mm -hmm. and sex is made in marriage to be 100% selfless between two individuals. And that's why in our episode one, right? Episode one of yeah. biblical sex. I hate saying episode one because I guess that's not. It's <laughs> part one. Of part one. Four. Thank you. Yeah. Part one is what I was trying to say. Yeah. Part one of biblical sex, we discuss that more in depth. So I definitely also recommend listening to that as well. And we also go in depth about God's purpose for marriage and the point of sex for marriage. So it's not it's not that we want to discourage people from having pleasure in their life. And God doesn't want that either. We just want to encourage people to follow God's word and to understand what biblical pleasure means. I have way more. I love you, Jeremiah. And I have so much pleasure when we have sex, obviously, and you do as well. It's a different type of pleasure and connection. But Jeremiah and I are much more fulfilled and pleased and feel whole when we're spending time with the Lord individually, let alone together. So whether it be prayer, um, doing life together or with others, because that's community, um, but especially when we're in the word. I feel like Jeremiah and I get like and we get excited telling each other about it. So I would recommend to you as a woman who is obviously trying to figure out, Elizabeth, whether or not you are really going to wholeheartedly run after God the way that he's been running after you your whole life. My question to you is, do you really exude the fruits of the Holy Spirit? And if so, when, at what point does it end? Does it just end at God's love? Because that's just the start, yeah, girlfriend. The last one is self-control. There's nine. <laughs> You got to have all of those under your belt at different parts in your life. So check in with the fruits of the Holy Spirit. But if you really want to start somewhere, go to a safe space. And all of this, kind of all of these answers have been, make sure you have a solid community. If you don't have one, find one and be okay with going those ups and downs. That community is going to fail you. They're not perfect. But go and actively try to seek a community and God's going to present it to you because he knows you're running after him. But 
a good way to like not just rely on friends find like an elder in the church find a godly older woman i love i love not like the mom age people but like someone who'd be your grandma find a woman like that and tell them that you need like a god mom in your life that you can run to and speak about these things and they're going to tell it to you straight up because they love you they want to pour into you and give you their wisdom and some of them are widowed and they're struggling with the same things that you're struggling with and also they have time to pour into you in that way and they really really want to so yeah and then practical stuff i would i would say remove the things that are tempting you from your life dating apps yeah books let me think internet even social media yeah going to the bars and stuff like that yeah friend groups yeah and i know it's hard and start with one thing at a time yeah, you don't have to remove everything immediately, but if you remove the most it, consistent thing. Yeah. If you can do that, then of course do like flee like Joseph did. He flee yeah. in the Bible. Delete phone numbers. Yeah. Throw some stuff in Get the trash. Get a burner phone. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Start over with your whole life. No, but really, I mean, that's what repentance is, right? True repentance is not just saying I'm sorry and then going and doing it again. That I mean, could you imagine... I someone slaps you in the face and they go, sorry. And they slap you again. Sorry. And they do it again and again. No, that's an abusive relationship. And we do that to God all the time. we constantly do that to Jesus. We're the ones. And that's why people will say when we're sinning, we're the ones giving him lashes, right? Whipping him. We're the ones pinning him to the cross until your sorry becomes repentance. There's one thing to say sorry. Sorry is the verbal accountability. And Jeremiah and I have discussed this a lot because he knows that I have a deep... <laughs> Sense of justice. Yeah, almost unhealthy. That's yeah. why I'm so thankful that I'm not God. God is God. I hate it when people tell me, sorry, and then they just do it over and over and over again. I absolutely hate it. And I hate it too because I struggle with it. It's not like I'm perfect at it, but... A true repentance means I'm sorry. And also these are the things that I'm going to do to try to change it. And guess what? Now that you've stated those things verbally, then the action. So you have accountability by verbally stating something. Then the action, if you don't follow through, you have now lost trust because you said you were going to do it and now you haven't. And the repercussions, that's what sin is. That's the lack of repentance. But true repentance is when you say you're going to do it and then you follow through with what you're going to do. And then you do it again and then again, and then, okay, this time I stumbled. Hey, it's okay. There's forgiveness. You know why? Because look, these past three times, you did so great. Now let's do it again. Repent and do it again. And then look, oh my gosh, now it hasn't happened in two years. <gasps> you know? So that's how you can celebrate those victories and not beat yourself up. Yeah. Same thing in AA meetings, you know? Mm -hmm. They just take away your token, and then when you start all over again, and then you start building it again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because sex, honestly, outside of marriage really is an addiction. And that's what a shameless plug for our next episode, going into pornography. and yeah. It's not shameless. It's accurate. Pornography. <laughs> yeah. Because that's a huge part of, uh, unfortunately, our culture today, and yeah. has actually been for a long time, but more so than ever, because it's shoved in our faces with technology at least before technology, it wasn't in our faces consistently all day, every day, like it is now. I honestly think pornography was designed to break the husband and wife. Everything has. It's yeah. everything that goes against God's design, which is most of what the internet yeah. is and movies and all that stuff. But you guys, thank you so much 
for your questions and it was super fun answering them and even getting specific with some things. And I feel like most of them were pretty on topic with everything that we've spoken about so far in this podcast. Yeah. It's just this was Good fun. job love, for putting those together and thank you everyone for them. Yeah. Thank you. It's I also- thought it was going to be a little bit more like uh, who I am or something. So I was like, oh, they want to get to know me. A few people did ask more like get to know you questions, mm-hmm. but I felt like they were irrelevant topics. Yeah. So you are spot on. People want to get to know you. They think you're cool. <laughs> I, I'm so like honest and vulnerable. Everyone already does know me. So no one Yeah, asked. everyone thinks you're cool. I already know that. <laughs> That's not true. And then they meet me. No, no one thinks that. Uh, okay, so thank you guys for listening to our first ever Q&A half and a half episode. We are really excited for you guys to listen to pornography. Wait. (laughs) Our episode against pornography. Anyway, let's just end this. Yep. Keep casting seeds. (laughs) Ciao. We hope you enjoyed learning how to cultivate God's creation from a biblical perspective. Holistic health is to prioritize whole person wellness through Christ. Like and comment on what topics we're casting seeds or casting pearls. If you found this information provided useful, subscribe to our podcast for future updates, leave a review to help us improve, and share this episode. We would like to remind you before we leave that perfect health cannot be attained in this world. Only spiritual salvation through sanctification and repentance to God and turning away from sin will give you a perfect body in the kingdom come. Nourish yourself in the word, in prayer, and in biblical fellowship daily. Thank you for joining us today, and a special thank you to our listeners for making this podcast possible. Always praying. Keep casting seeds.